Welcome to Recovery Bites. This is Desley Casey, your host. And today I'm talking to Michelle from the Raise the Rate for Good campaign being run by ACOS, Australian Council of Social Services. Michelle is the community organiser and engagement officer at the Australian Council of Social Service. She has a background in community organising and grassroots campaigning, focused on the power of human connection and the way our stories inspire others to action. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me, Desley. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you know, for our listeners who may not have heard of the Raise the Rate campaign, uh, could you tell us a little bit about the campaign, please? Absolutely. Um, the Raise the Rate for Good campaign is fighting for everyone to be able to have a safe roof over their head, cover the basics like food, medicine and bills, and to live with dignity. Um, our goal is to fix the social security safety net. Um, like Medicare, the social security system is for everyone through all stages of life, um, be it as a young person, when you have a family, you lose your job or can't work because you're injured or sick, you need to be a carer for someone that you love life events that happen to all of us and we need a safety net that supports people who are falling on hard times um, but the, at the moment I mean, that safety net has some pretty huge holes in it uh, and we need to fix that so we're fighting to make sure that everyone has the support they need to cover the basics i always protest when the government says a job seeker is a safety net and say well there's a big hole in that safety net that even the Absolutely. largest Australian can fall through. What safety Absolutely. net? Exactly. Should people simply be happy with the $50 per fortnight increase in the base rate to job seeker that the government has now passed in both houses and is in effect, which effectively basically decrease job seeker by $100 a fortnight due to the COVID supplement ending in March? Yes, um, well, let's be clear. Uh, there are a lot of poverty lines um, that different organisations use, but the government's rates of job seeker, youth allowance and other income supports are well below all of them. Rate of job seeker hadn't been raised in a quarter of a century before COVID, and the government clearly showed their understanding that it was too low because they doubled the rate overnight at the start of the pandemic. I mean, since then, they've hacked away at the payments, now down to just a meagre amount more than the old rate, and we've seen the impact. We basically, in a lot of ways, were able to see the effects of ending poverty almost overnight by doubling that increase of payments and stories from people who were able to get medical care that they had not been able to before supply their children um, with school provisions new clothes a haircut things that sound very basic but are luxuries when you're trying to live on uh, what was $40 a day, um, which is now $44 a day. And that is far below all the poverty lines. It's far below what we um, are asking the government to uh, lift the rate to and absolutely should not be accepted um, as good enough. Yes, and when you say that, they keep saying that we're putting in so many billion dollars over four years 
and this is what we felt was reasonable. Personally, I think it's that was what they felt that they could basically try and get away with. And mm. unfortunately, it appeared, and I think it was mainly because they really brought in the bill so late in Parliament, in Parliament sitting times, that they really bullied basically all the other parties to literally accept the rate or go back to the previous rate. Mm, absolutely. And to the argument about the cost, it is unconscionable that about 3 million people, 1 million children, um, will return to extreme poverty, um, while those on higher incomes are reaping $2 billion per month in government tax cuts uh, that are in effect between now and September. Wow, $2 billion per month. It really is a false economy on behalf of the government, isn't it, Michelle? Absolutely is. Uh, there have been studies that show the cost to the economy of the decrease. So the cut of a, the final cut was $100 per fortnight. All that money goes straight into the local economy. Those on the lowest incomes are those that are going to spend. Those on the higher incomes are those who are more likely to save. It's a direct cut in um, flow of finances into the local economy. And this is the thing, they proudly tout that the economy has recovered, but it was actually the fact that they had job seeker increased or doubled overnight. They brought in job keeper, which then set job seekers and job keeper recipients against each other. They really didn't bring in anything for the pensioners except two by $250 payments. So that then set the pensioners against job seekers and including disability support pensioners. And they say, oh, but we've done enough and look at how our recovery, our economy is. And what they don't seem to compute is because they had particularly brought in an increase in job seeker and also which was and then the job keeper which is was a higher rate than job seeker so guess what if you just left your job lost your job in COVID you're more deserving than job seekers who have been on the system for a little while I personally wonder how the economy is going to go now they've cut back they've cut out job keeper they've cut back job seeker all the bank moratoriums and the rent moratoriums have basically ended. How do you think they'll go, the economy will go in the new world post JobKeeper? Absolutely. I'm not uh, an economist by any means, but the um, figures that the government talk about are very top line. They're very sheerly the number of online vacancies. And when you look at people who are underemployed, uh, when you include those that are seeking to uh, enter the job market at entry level. There are 48 job seekers for every entry level position in metro areas and 57 job seekers in regional areas. There are uh, mass problems with casualization, 
Um, this is not, when we talk about work uh, and the economy and jobs, uh, we need to talk about suitable work. We need to talk about long-term and secure work and about a mutual obligation system as well. It helps find suitable work, not just tick boxes. Uh, we have stories of people having to, feeling bullied into a job that caused them so much pain um, that they went home crying at the end of every day. Jobs numbers is not the whole story and we need to do a lot more. Yes, and talking about the mutual obligations, as a job seeker, it's increased to from the 1st of July, I think, or is it from this month, April, 20 jobs a month. Now, I live in a rural area and I also, due to health reasons, cannot work full time. So I'm also, rural area can't work full time because of health issues supposed to be seeking 20 jobs a month to me that's going to lend itself for job seekers just applying willy-nilly even if they're not flooding em employers with totally unsuitable applications which the employers then have to try and wade through uh, just to meet this mandatory requirement what are your thoughts on that michelle Absolutely. The government out of the legislation with the cut to the rate of increase, uh, cut to the rate of job seeker um, announced harsher mutual obligation requirements to go with it. Um, we already have one of the strictest systems of income support compliance among comparable countries. Um, and the truth of the matter is harsher mutual obligation requirements would just make life tougher for millions of people without improving their job prospects. Um, for example, yes, the uh, increase in job searches from eight to I think it's 15 at the end of this month and going up to 20 ultimately um, does very little to get people into suitable work. Another obligation requirement um, was reinstating the requirement for meetings and activities to be face-to-face -face. and this has a huge impact on people especially for those who are injured or ill or as you said, live in a remote or regional area, parents with young children, um, not to mention the additional cost to those with so little. We've heard from people who live hours from their job service provider and the cost of running the car uses most of their weekly fuel budget on something that does nothing to help them find suitable work. Um, the current system of mutual obligations is punitive. Uh, that is very clear and very widely acknowledged and, and actually erodes people's ability to find work. Yes, well, I know myself, I have to travel 67 kilometres, which is about a half hour trip to the job search provider, be there for five minutes so they can tick the box that I actually attended mm. and then travel the 60 kilometres, 67 kilometres, half hour trip home. They don't pay my petrol to turn up mm -hmm. for the job search provider. Uh, interviews. I actually spoke to the young lady with my job search provider who's been allocated my commas, case, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I said to her, why can't we do video conferencing? Isn't that face to face? Okay, I'm not physically in your office, which I might add, I don't know how they get away with these job search providers because it actually breaches the, the Privacy Act. There's no sign, for example, on the door 
before you enter that they've got CCTV cameras, which is a legal requirement in New South Wales. The I also pointed out one of the cameras was pointing directly onto one of the computers, so it could actually record people's details. Not to mention there's normally a, it's a very small, supposedly open planned office. You're lucky if it's 10 foot by 10 foot, probably about that, or 10 by 12, a couple of chairs. Everybody can hear what you're talking about with there is no privacy in conversation and they get away with it. And whereas by telephone, which I've been doing and it's been very effective not a, and time efficient, not only for them, but also for me, I get more of a conversation because it's a private conversation with the young lady. I don't have to travel and it, and she can email everything. They insist that we do everything online, but they won't allow us to do video conferencing calls or they won't allow us sending e or send emails, which I'll do anyway. And it, where's their head, do you think? Exactly. Over the pandemic, that's what happened. Uh, it was virtual. It was remote. It was effective. Uh, I think it was a lot easier. I remember from my time on JobSeeker myself, uh, I think it was my second or third time my job service provider interview. And I'm, I'm lucky enough, I live in Sydney, so I didn't have to go too far, but you know, the cost of transport. And I got there, the office was unlocked, but there was literally not a soul in sight. And we hear endless stories of people not turning up to appointment or being late, which they're not, they didn't, their appointments they didn't know about. You know, if I'd traveled two hours to do that, then if the job service provider happens to say that you weren't, you didn't attend a meeting, which maybe you traveled all that time for, and they can still cut your payments. The system doesn't make any sense. Yes, and moving on from, from job search providers, and, and you've given some really good examples of the impact on the bill and what it really means to job seekers. What do you or the raise the rate campaign believe the base rate for job seeker benefit should be set at and how should the government maintain the rises in the future? So the impacts of the bill at the start of April, job seeker was cut by $50 a week. Um, which saw people go from $51 a day down to $44 a day um, because of the loss of the $75 a week coronavirus supplement, um, which meant 1.3 million people um, on JobSeeker and over three, 340,000 single parents, uh, mostly women, lost $50 a week. Um, so ultimately, the government's decision drove 3 million people, um, including a million children, into dire poverty. Uh, and that number is likely to rise as we see the full effects of the end of JobKeeper, uh, with estimates up to 250,000 people moving into the job seeker system. And it's a scandal and an international disgrace that Australia is back to having one of the lowest rates of unemployment payment in the OECD, that's second lowest to Greece. And uh, ACOS and the Race Rate Campaign were asking for an absolute minimum, but much more, an absolute minimum increase to at least $65 a day to job seeker youth allowance and other income support systems. That's currently $21 more a day than it currently is. 
what should the government be doing with these payment rises in the future? Because as you said earlier, it took quarter of a century to raise it, the base rate to $50 a fortnight extra, $25 a week. So do you have any ideas for the campaign as to what the government should be doing, regardless of what party is in power, to ensure that the rate meets the irrelevant requirement or income level for the future. We ask that job seeker and other allowances be indexed to wages, just like pensions, so they maintain pace of community living standards and they don't fall so far behind again. Currently, job seeker and other allowances are only indexed to inflation, which is why they didn't increase in real terms for 25 years. But in that case, only in line with the consumer price index. Now, I know you're not an economist, but just for somebody who may not know what a consumer price index, do you have a layman's definition, Michelle? Yes, in short, the consumer price index measures the change in the price level of consumer goods and services purchased by households. So the general increase of, of living and of uh, purchasing. Are there any further strategies the Raise the Rate campaign will be undertaking over the next few months? Absolutely. Focusing right now with the increase in number of people on JobSeeker, many for the first time, that we want to grow this campaign. We want to bring in all the people who are some for the first time hitting the safety net and finding those holes that they know that there is a community of people out there advocating for change supporting them wanting to hear their voices our supporters and the, and I myself I remember this the first time I got in this situation it's incredibly lonely you don't know that there's people out there you feel the pit of this financial despair and to have a community, to know that we're out there, to know that we want to hear the stories of people who are experiencing this, because that's how we will change. And that's how we've made such success uh, in changing the conversation around income support and being on JobSeeker. We want to bring people into the fold. We want to talk to the media about how to discuss those who find themselves going through rough times, trying to rebuild their lives, what that looks like and move away from these stigmas and these misconceptions. This is a system for everyone. The statistics, something like 70% of people at some point in their lives have been on uh, job seeker or other supports. So we want to really strengthen the support that we have. We want to change the conversation around uh, what it means to be on job seeker, what the challenges that people are facing and really grow the campaign so that uh, as the year progresses and we come closer to an election uh, that we reach a critical mass of people power um, and create a movement that you know really can turn the tide and really cannot be ignored excellent i think that is really good people from all walks of life saying to acos read the issue uh, do, do you have any stories or have you done surveys or anything like that uh, that 
may assist people to understand what this really means? It's been one of the big successes of the campaign uh, is that really backing a raise to job seeker and other income support payments became a no-brainer. We had so many people and organizations and groups come out supporting a permanent adequate increase. Uh, Business Council of Australia, when the Reserve Bank of Australia uh, governor came out and called it a fairness issue when the man who... <laughs> you know, talks most about policy and economics and money says increasing job seeker is a fairness issue. I, I think, you know, Australia really took notice of that. And there was a, a whole new shift in the conversation. Uh, we've grown the number of politicians, including conservative politicians that support reforms, uh, key independents, minor parties, they were all uh, supporting a lift in payments above the poverty line. Um, on the ground, there's overwhelming support from the public uh, to increase. It's, 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 it's almost embarrassing. We don't know where else to go. We almost don't know who else really to get on board um, that agrees with this. And the legislation has been handed down and there have been arguments that it is a system that, you know, is structured in such a way to, you know, support people back into work. Um, and we say that's just not true. Uh, other than uh, job service providers and uh, policy rhetoric uh, about the system being one that gets people into work, pretty much everyone else on all walks of life say, yes, but that can't be done on this payment, even if that's true. Uh, it cannot be done in this payment and people should not be left to suffer while they're just trying to rebuild their lives. Yes, and I totally agree. And it's great that people are being coming on board and businesses and organisations. I think even peak employer associations were calling for a rise to job seeker so that people it uh, reduces that or eliminates the barrier of people actually being able to apply for work and attend interviews. Would that be a fair comment? Absolutely. We've had uh, the Retailers Association of Australia uh, came out um, and said that job seeker was too low and that the base rate needed to be higher. There's been almost every organisation and every sector uh, in Australia has come out in support. Right. And also, have you heard any, any anecdotal evidence? Now the $50 per fortnight increase in the base rate. Are people's attitudes changing to, well, they've got a rise, what are you still on about? No, actually none. There was general outrage at the announcement um, across the board, you know, actually there was, there was a backlash that it was just not enough. Um, and it, the reality is it is a cut. Um, the rate uh, that was in place when the legislation was announced, uh, was $51 a day. So to be absolutely clear, this is a cut. Um, it's an increase in the permanent rate, but uh, there was no no word that we heard that said, oh, it's, it's an increase, take it, that's good enough. That's really good to hear, particularly as somebody who's on job seeker benefit, because some people really, they need to know that it's still not enough, is what I would say. 
absolutely and and cruelty of the decision um and it and it was it was a policy decision to have so many more people pushed back into poverty i heard stories of people say it was it was it was actually cruel for the government to show them what life could be like to be able to cover the basics and not have constant stress and anxiety and worry and then put them right back where they were um I remember one lady saying she almost wished that she hadn't had a taste of that. Um, people saying that they could breathe again for the first time in a long time. And it's, uh, it's, it's been even harder for a lot of people, I think. Yes. Well, the, basically the cashless debit card income management trials uh, sites, uh, there's about four, four to five sites across Australia. The government want to, within two years, take it across nationwide but for all central aid recipients and what they have decided with the latest bill of the cashless debit card is that any recipients who were on job keeper and resides in the postcodes of the trial sites is to be automatically enforced onto the cashless debit card once they go on to job seeker now the problem is they have no choice about this or they they can't elect to go on it based on the cashless debit card they're basically forced onto it and then it's very hard to get off the cashless debit card what are you, your thoughts on the cashless debit card income management system, Michelle? The cashless debit card is another punitive, massive hole in this system. My understanding was if the government's own report back was mixed at absolute best. Um, it involves issues of stigma and of persecution and of uh, alienation and othering of people say nothing of the general freedom um, to be able to live one's life without being under the dictation of of the government um, and how that you know how their own funding is spent um, as well as issues of uh, e even just the logistics of having uh, the card available in you know shops that are you know, hours away from you that there's just so many complications. It's a, it's a program that say nothing of is completely flawed. Uh, it treats people with no respect and very little dignity. Um, and we absolutely would like to see an end to the cash as card. Thank you. Getting back to the raise the rate campaign. How how can people become involved in the Raise the Rate for Good campaign? What can they do? Ah, we would love everyone that uh, is not already to come and be involved in the campaign. Uh, the first and foremost we ask people to do is call your local member, a federal member of parliament. This is a federal issue and uh, all parties need to hear from their constituents. Uh, there are many electorates now where the number of people receiving job seeker and income support outweigh the uh, larger than the number of votes that that member of parliament won their seat by. 
we are a force of reckoning. There are millions of us and every party hasn't come out with a figure and, you know, clear support for a figure needs to hear from their constituents that the rate is too low, that this is an issue and this was a decision that we will remember and that the parties need to do better. They need to commit to an adequate increase um, and we want that publicly. That is absolutely the first step, um, calling your MPs. We know that they listen. We know that they use the number of calls and listening to their constituents as a gauge for how important issues are. And uh, especially in some marginal electorates, uh, that can be very powerful. And then all the filters back up to party meeting rooms uh, and it eventually does shape policy. So first we would say, please call your federal member of parliament um, and let your voice be known. Secondly, uh, if you have had experiences, you've been directly affected by the policies or um, have family or friends that have been directly affected, if you work on the front lines uh, as a community support worker, uh, financial counsellor, um, please share your story uh, on our website. Uh, I can give the address at the end. There's uh, a form to fill in to share your story um, because one another big success of this campaign has been how we've changed the conversation around being on JobSeeker and the challenges faced by those on income support. And that's because of the brave, the many, many courageous people that have come forward to tell their story, despite feelings that we have of, of somehow that we've done something wrong. The society treats us like those who are in paid work, are good in contributing and those who are not in paid work are not contributing and that is absolutely wrong. Uh, raising of families, uh, volunteering, um, all the, the many myriad of ways that people contribute to society, uh, paid income is only one of them and having so many people come forward and tell their story and explain the impacts of a seemingly small policy change such as having meetings and activities face to face is everything about how we've made change and those especially courageously that talk to the media that have told their stories so that the wider public can hear that is how we've brought everyone, all the organisations, um, all our politicians that are supporting now, they've all come through because they've heard those stories. So if you have a story, please share it. Um, and that's on the website. And lastly, just very basically, please follow the campaign. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, you can sign up on our website. Uh, we will be having lots of opportunities this year to get involved. We're doing research and we'd love to hear from people uh, who went through the pandemic on and directly affected by uh, the coronavirus supplement. They're trying to talk to the media about the way that they they use their terms and their words and how they treat people and income support we have lots of opportunities coming up this year and we would love everyone to be involved in that excellent thank you very much and um just a question because it was actually the no cashless debit card australia have a t-shirt and which can be sold would that be uh, an option? I'm happy to walk around with a Raise the Rate campaign t-shirt. Maybe it work, might become a discussion point. We do have a very jazzy shirt and uh, nice buttons and placards as well. But in terms of merchandise, there is a, uh, we have on our website resources 
Uh, one is a poster that can be sort of downloaded and printed, put up on community notice boards, up in windows. And if there are any other resources that people would like, um, t-shirts, placards, please get in touch with us via the website and um, we can see what we can do to, to supply people with that. Excellent, thank you. And last but not least, Michelle, you've been very patient answering all my questions. And do you have any other ideas you would like to put forward? We are looking at more so the employment uh, side and future obligations. This year, there will be changes to mutual obligations and employment policies. So we are working in that space and we would love to hear from people that have something to say on the matter. Um, we will be doing data, we will be asking for case studies, uh, there will be research. So if you have an experience, uh, a question, a, a gripe, a suggestion to do with your job service provider, the way the system currently works or doesn't work, um, please again share your story. Um, specifically about that so that we can be in touch in the future when we work on reforming the employment and mutual obligation system. And on your website when you're sharing your story, mm. is, is there an option that people could quickly shoot a, a quick video sharing their stories if they so choose to or a quick audio? I know transcribing audio can be very time consuming. However, I'm wondering, is it just a text share your story, dropping text, or can they maybe do a quick video or a audio uh, to share their story? And That's with an excellent suggestion, I can absolutely add a file upload at the bottom of that form. We are currently looking at various trainings throughout the year too. We hear from our supporters uh, quite a lot that there's so much they want um, to learn and arm themselves to talk to media, to run events, to tell their stories. We're looking at some trainings and support, one of which is um, about using their technology to record your own story via video. Um, so, but in the meantime, that's a fantastic suggestion and I will definitely add and upload even a photo. If people even wanted to add, uh, send us a photo of, of something they feel symbolizes their story um, and they would like to share that, then they can. So I'll add that, so thank you. Excellent, thank you. And last but not least, Michelle, What's the website? What's the URL for the website, please? <laughs> it's raise the rate, all one word, dot org dot au. So R A I S E T H E R A T E dot org dot au. And on the top menu bar, you can see uh, stories and where you can add your story and you can obviously contact us as well. Fantastic, Michelle. I want to thank you very much for being on this podcast and filling us in on all the different aspects and the impacts for job seekers, but really Centrelink recipients overall uh, in and what ACOS are doing about it. So let's hopefully we get more people involved. Sure. This is Desley Casey from Reality Bites saying thank you for listening. Bye for now.